Good afternoon, wherever you may be, and welcome to It's So Real. What's your boy up? And your girl, Rocky. What's good? So thank you for joining us for today's episode of the therapy series, Therapy Stereotypes. Right, right. So now, first, I just want to say that we are recording this Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. It's about 9.45 p.m. Mm -hmm. on Pacific Time, and I'm tired, and I just smoked, and my voice is hella deep right now. (laughs) So, just FYI. Right, so I'm clearing my throat a lot. My voice is probably like an octave lower. So, you going to have to speak up because yeah. you already deep. I'm very white in it right now, you know what I mean? So, I'm trying to get a little bit closer to the mode. But, uh, yeah, I'm in the same position. <laughs> and we are doing this because O here is going on a little trip. Where you going, trip. O? So, I will be going to Guyana, uh, where both of my parents are from. Reside. It is the only Caribbean country uh, that is not an island. So that's why everybody gets all confused and is mm-hmm. like, wait, what? Are you talking about Ghana? Like, no, that's different. I'm trying to get my citizenship there yes. as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's one of In my both. main goals on the trip is to get my citizenship. <clears throat> as soon as I touch down, that's my first thing doing. Getting everything in order. Uh, actually, everything's really in order because my mom set everything up because, you know, my mom's nice. awesome. Uh, so as soon as I go down there, I just really gotta, you know, I think physically hand it in and have my idea or or some other. Good form. job, Mama. Yeah. So thank you, Mama. That's gonna be great. Okay, my password and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully everything goes smoothly. Maybe there's some other stuff in the process, but hey, who knows? Gotcha. Okay. Really sure. Well, yeah. Wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it be. That's how it be. Dual citizenship. Yeah, you know, trying to get out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool, cool. But with that being said, that's why. We're doing it at what time is it? Nine forty-five. Yes. Um. Yes, because oh, we'll be gone for two weeks. Right. So, so we, we gotta have do to... some episodes. You know. Yeah. Ahead of time. So sorry you couldn't join us for the live. Um. Although maybe I will do a live just to answer people's questions. That would be a great Not idea. Not the actual podcast, <clears throat> but just you know. I think that would be that a great idea. You could just put out the episode and then do a live stating, you know. Some of the topics that we were going to talk about, or, or just yeah, put out a couple like of questions. what's your what's your, what's your, your questions? questions for, yeah, 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 that'd be great. Okay, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. I what like I'm people be doing get the same things. content and they get the live interaction with you, which is very much needed, I think. Aww. Yeah. Yes. Plus, you know, I ain't doing it because I'm unplugging, motherfucker. <laughs> talk about self care. Uh, we talk about it all the time. That is gonna be definitely an unplug time for me so mm. yeah my phone will be off <laughs> <laughs> can't wait all right so um yeah for today's show it's therapy stereotypes mm-hmm. so first we're gonna talk about how we approach the start of therapy um just because this is a little leftover from uh part one of the therapy series into the office um so we wanted to give a little bit of that and then we're gonna go into goals of therapy um 
So yeah, let's let's get this show started. So, oh, mm-hmm. what is your intro that you use with your clients? All right, well, I'm going to give you all the literal intro. So I'm going to talk to you as if you were my client. So close your eyes, audience. Imagine <laughs> that you're in a room with a fine yet untouchable, because that's the, uh, illegal, it's unethical, I will not do it. But yes, notice that your therapist is fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was like, are you talking about the clients? Oh, no, he's talking about himself. <laughs> yeah, you know. So your therapist is fine, but you're getting over that because you're here to solve something. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're here to dive in deep. <laughs> I'm just trying to use my very white voice for as long as I can. <laughs> Seriously, so what I say um, <laughs> with the client, I mean, mm-hmm. them persons, uh, usually I see a couple, so I'll go with that. <clears throat> Welcome to Couples Therapy. Uh, I will be your couples therapist. My name is Onaje Smart, uh, and my goal here is to set up an environment for, uh, a safe environment for the both of you to connect fully by opening up and being vulnerable. So we're gonna be going over some things that may be uncomfortable, we may be stretching ourselves, we may be growing at a pace that can be scary, but if we collaborate together, I think that we can get a better connection between the two of you. Now, that being said, I also wanna hear what your goals are because they may be a little bit different from mine and we may need to tweak that because this is a collaborative process. So I wanna hear from the both of you. When it comes to couples therapy, uh, I like to break it down, uh, the process, into a four-session process where sessions for, sessions for, <laughs> we were trying to do something off camera, my fault. Sorry, sorry. It's all good, it's all good. <laughs> um, so the second session, uh, I want to meet with one of the uh, partners and then... The other session, I'm going to meet with the other respective partner so that I can get uh, two individual sessions, basically, to break down uh, how the two of you uh, see the perspective of your problem and the nuances between the two of you so I really get a good view of what's going on between the two partners. And then lastly, we'll come back together, reconvene, and uh, go over everything that we talked about and some of the answers that we talked about as well that were similar and some of them that were different and go on with couples therapy. So that's usually how couples therapy goes. Do you have any other questions? And usually that's when they ask questions or say no. Damn. That was slick and smooth as hell. (laughs) So I do not (laughs) introduce... Like, I'm like, shit, maybe I need to get my shit together. <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, it's everybody's style, and that's why I really realized now. It's like, because I would, I'm probably going to say, I would have thought the same thing if you would have went first. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, I didn't think about that. But everybody has their own thing. So it's good that we're hearing each other's too, mm-hmm. because we can take from each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just improve our craft as professionals and, and just setting things up so that clients can better understand things. Like, the way that I, I made it clear like that was because I know how to connect with couples. Mm. When it comes to children and other uh, other clients. Individual adults. You know, individual adults. adults it's a little bit different. Um, but with couples, because I've had so much practice that mm-hmm. I've wanted to be, like, I've always wanted to be the person who sit, sat down, like, 
And as soon as you sat down with me, you knew, yo, something was going to change. Like, for the better or for worse, you knew that, like, after I'm you left my office. I'm learning something today. Right. You knew that if you left my office, like, hey, you know, something, he going to drop some knowledge on you. Mm. You're going to learn something from this. And that's how I want to do it. And I also Damn. want you to feel safe. Damn, well. That's, that's, man, I, I've been okay, dreaming so about being a couple therapists for a minute. We definitely have to um, use the audio clip, like, of you doing your intro. Oh, we yeah. We got to put that up. Yeah, right. for sure. For sure. For um. Sure. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's official. <laughs> that's official. I'll be trying. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, my intro don't don't go a little like that. <laughs> like I say the similar things, but I don't have it mm-hmm. on like file in my brain because I forget things a lot. Um, like that. So I'm, but I get right to paperwork. Honestly, like I don't say all of that. And while I'm going through the paperwork, that's when I'm breaking down things. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, that is different. Yeah. Like, um, uh, talking about the relationship between the therapist. So, we didn't, oh, we didn't go over consent. We ain't doing that right now. But, um, we we went over some, but we didn't go over, like, what exactly was on the consent forms. Mm -hmm. Um. So there's a piece on the consent form about the therapist and client relationship and how it is a unique process and things like that. So you have to find the right fit and whatnot. So I think I'm talking a little bit about the relationship that is going to be had and things like that. Um, and then, uh, Therapy takes work and all this other stuff. And then how therapy works. So I explained that it's 50 minute sessions. I meet weekly. And then um, I get into goals after the paperwork. So I'm like, what are your goals for therapy? But I also explain that uh, for the first few sessions, I'm going to be doing assessment, evaluation, and history. Right. So that's kind of like what I... I do with the couples when mm-hmm. I broke down the four sessions. Oh, right, you know right. I mean? mm-hmm. It's just true. a different way. That's what I mean. Like, mm-hmm. the way I word it is, I guess, like, the way, the reason why I worded that way was mm-hmm. because I wanted, I wanted anybody who comes into my office to not feel like they're too bombarded with, like, jargon and all this other stuff. Mm. You know, like, assessment. Like, and, and nobody mm-hmm. want to be assessed. Oh, I don't, I don't break it down like yeah, that. No, yeah, no, I'm just saying like in general. In so general. yeah, I'm, I'm about to explain the audience right, what right, that is, right. but yeah, no. Because I already know you're going to do your uh-huh, thing, but uh-huh. like, yeah, that's just like an example. Like, I think a lot of other therapists just mm-hmm. automatically go straight into, you know, just what they learn in that, that bubble of like mm-hmm. what you learn when you're in and grad see, school. And see, that was the big piece, and we'll go into what we did learn in grad school a little bit later, but I do mm-hmm. want to touch on that. Like, they, like my professor gave me a sheet to like, of points to hit basically. So that way I would just be aware of what I need to hit and what I need to know kind of thing. Um, but I was debating and I was like, well, do I just literally spend some time getting to know each other and just being like conversational and just personal and that kind of stuff. But, um, but then like I had mentioned in, um, therapy series into the office, uh, yeah, some, I need to go over paperwork first because they need to know, things about what i'm legally and ethically bound to right so um yeah because like, usually they are ready to spill and it's like i'm gonna need you to know some things yeah first. it's that's real yeah, like so after my little spill it's mm-hmm. like paperwork time or sometimes i do switch it up i do the paperwork and 
but I never I never break it down like right in front of them. Um, I do switch it up though. I do switch it up. What do you mean? I, I sometimes break down like the paperwork, like what you did first. Mm-hmm. Just explain some of that, and then I do uh, what I just said, basically oh, my gotcha. intro. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, just just to get that out of the way, like you were saying, just yeah. so they know what's mm-hmm. on the paperwork, mm-hmm. and they can just sign it. Yeah. Right after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so breaking down assessment and evaluation in history. Assessment, we give a intake assessment, and there's a bunch of things on the intake assessment. It basically allows us to get some history without mm-hmm. getting it all in person. So I usually email it to my clients so they can bring it in on the first session, or they can come in ahead of time and fill it, fill it out in the waiting room. Um, so on the intake assessment, it has... Um, it asks questions about drugs and alcohol. It asks questions about suicidal ideation. It asks questions about your relationship with your mother, the relationship with your father. It asks questions about your family history and mental illnesses within your family history. Mm-hmm. It asks about your employment, education, spirituality. It asks what your strengths are, what your coping skills are, and then what your goal of therapy is. Um, so it, it asks, and then we also have the ACE questionnaire, which is a trauma, uh, assessment on there as well, because a lot of black people have been through some trauma. So, um, getting informed in that as well. So it's like that, all that is the assessment. So I don't really do any more assessing unless something presents itself. Um, but yeah, I just go over that as assessment first. So like I'm getting clarifying questions. Now, sometimes it does depend on the client. That's what I do majority of the time. Sometimes that client is just not allowing me to do that because there's so much history that I have to know first before we can get to present day. There's so much history I got to do. So sometimes like I'll switch up the order. Usually I do assessment first mm-hmm. um, and then history. And then if I need to do any evaluations, I'll do that then. But um but sometimes they, it's just so much history that, like, the first couple of sessions we're doing history, but if I know it's taking longer than that, then I'm like, all right, I need to go over this intake assessment just because that's required to have on file, you know? So it's like, I got to make sure everything's filled out, things like that. Hmm. But with history, I do family of origin work. Um, right. So, yeah, so I that's find really out, important. yeah. Now, sometimes when they're older, <clears throat> I do it less. Sometimes it's still crucial Um, for when a little bit. Older, what do you mean? Cause like I have, I have some 50 plus clients, 50 years old plus. That's when I really do it, honestly. I mean, I get some of it, but sometimes it's more their kids that they're dealing with. I know, I know, I know, (laughs) but it's like, but, but it depends. Like the two clients I have, one who's like 52, I think. And then one that's 62. Um, I got a couple clients up there. Yeah, and they both have extensive, like I've done extensive um, family of origin work, but the 62, is, it is mostly her kids because she has a, a lot of grown kids and grandkids and stuff like that. So it is more of the present generation. But because her parents pass, we do talk about that. So anyways, um, so history is family of origin work. And then, um, so what the relationships were like with parents, what relationships were like with siblings, um, could be childhood history in school, their education. Um, but I also do dating history as well and relationship history. Um, cause sometimes those are very uh, significant yeah, and impactful. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
I guess I could go over something. Hey, I don't want to give away all my techniques. Oh Stop. No, oh <laughs> nah, um, I could go over some of the stuff that I asked too, like further in, in, into the couples therapy. Uh, maybe a little later, but let's just keep it rolling for now. Mm. <laughs> and then uh, for evaluation, that's just if anything from all of this assessment and history perks up as far as diagnosable. Um, usually the diagnosis that I give is adjustment disorder right. because everybody is adjusting to something in life. Life is full of transitions. It's a very and you blanket, um, diagnosis. And that's just because health insurance will not pay for your therapy unless you have a diagnosis. So it's like, and I hated that when I was in school and I was like, wait a minute, we have to, like, there's no other option. We have to give a diagnosis. I was pissed. Because some of our children are over-diagnosed with ADHD. Everybody. And a lot of people are under-diagnosed, you know, because they don't think we feel pain. So, like, I was just feeling all types of ways. And I was like... A lot of the um, ADHD Mm -hmm. uh, was actually, like, a lot of uh, early symptoms of bipolar. And, like, they Mm -hmm. mistaken the depression Mm -hmm. that was going on. Mm -hmm. And then manic stages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they're just like... Oh, a lot of times, and also because depression can show up as anger. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So they they don't they never understood that yeah. because getting stigmatized mm-hmm. with black boys, especially. But also understand who's doing the fucking assessment exactly. of these children. Oh, these these oh, he's out of control. Like nah, mm-hmm. they're looking at it already from a lens of he's out of control rather than a oh my gosh empathy. Mm-hmm. What's going on with him? Mm-hmm. How can he, you know? And that goes into, and I see this a lot with my kiddos and with parents, is that they concentrate on the symptom, what the actual reason mm-hmm. for coming to therapy is, so that that um, the behavior of mm-hmm. these children, and they're trying to just fix that mm-hmm. without getting to the root cause of what's actually happening to cause the behavior, you know? Like, kids don't know how to express themselves, so they just act out, and you got to figure out what the root cause of that is. Um, but a lot of, a lot of, not even just kids, like, a lot of a lot of healthcare professionals do that, where they just try to medicate the symptom and not get to the root cause. For so, real. And it's, um, it's just detrimental. It's, like, yeah. short-term. It's, mm-hmm. it's very short-term. Mm-hmm. You're not really looking at the bigger picture of the the child's life, and that's the problem. But that's also like uh, give a man a fish versus teach a man a fish. Mm. You know, like you're not trying to help him long term. Right. You're trying to get that money because long term means they ain't coming back. Right. Short term medication means you got them for life. I love when my couple succeed and go on and do great things, mm-hmm. or when they break up and. Go on and to be happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's also a good option. We were just listening to Thank You Next by Ariana Grande, Yo. and that is a beautiful song, song. Beautiful song. Because you can learn so much from every experience, but your relationships can teach you a lot. You just got to be looking at it in that mind frame. Right. And you really do. If you're not looking at your relationships in that point of view, mm-hmm. you're probably missing out on a lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. That can keep you from repeating them. Yes, yes. And trust me, the growth and development will make you happy. Mm. Um, But yeah, as far as evaluation, that's when... um, So if they say anything that perks me towards a diagnosis other than adjustment disorder, that's when I'll start evaluation. So I'll just give them assessment for that particular thing. So sometimes I have to have tender conversations around that because black people don't like to be diagnosed with shit. But 
you know. And then sometimes I do have the conversation if they want to know the diagnosis or not. So I recently had an experience Mm -hmm. where I gave a diagnosis and it was like a relief. Mm. Uh, PTSD. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I give that out a lot. Right. Because a lot of us have been traumatized. A lot of us have been traumatized. We got some shit in our community. Let me tell you. It's the realest thing when uh, people say, like, soldiers that come back from Iraq and everything else like Mm -hmm. that, being in war zones, having a constant state of paranoia or, like, not even par- just hypervigilance. Hypervigilance, hyperarousal. Hyper right. Hyperarousal. Insomnia. All in those areas. And it's like, that's the hood every day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, you're constantly on edge. Mm-hmm. That shit, you growing up. It's just like the kids who were, like, waking up and they're, like, used to, like, like planes mm-hmm. coming over mm-hmm. and they're used to knowing that those are bombs and they're used to running. Like, That's crazy. Yeah, but it's sad. And it's like, we never get diagnosed with anything. So Mm-mm. for my client, it's like it's like to hear, not in a victim type of way, but in a, like a legitimate, like, damn, you see your pain. And your, like, struggles right. are, like, they are real. Legit- yeah, they yeah, are real. legitimate. They are real. Mm-hmm. Um, and that pain has, a, has a, a value of being heard, not only heard, but, like, addressed. True, true. So it's like he mm-hmm. he really felt like damn mm-hmm. like yeah this is exactly what I've been going. this is what I got huh mm-hmm. this is what I got damn mm-hmm. damn I I ain't know I was like yeah mm-hmm. man yeah and just you know letting that shit out yeah for real but yeah so sometimes that is a factor sometimes clients don't want to know just because um you know it's a label and they don't they don't they yeah. would rather not and I get it like labels are you know and that's part of the problem too part of got this mm-hmm. <laughs> part of the stigma. Yeah. All right, so let's um, talk a little bit about goals of therapy. Um, So what are like some common goals of therapy that clients give to you? And then what are like some common goals of therapy that you have for them? Okay, cool. So again, coming from the couple's lens, because, you know, that's what I do. (laughs) Uh, Most couples come in with the goal of wanting to communicate better. Mm-hmm. That's like a number, like number one or two issue. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another good issue that a lot of couples come in for when it comes to uh, sex and uh, satisfaction and quality time. Mm-hmm. So those two or those other two are like you know those are like the top three right there. It's either sex, um, intimacy. Uh, quality time not being sent or communication. Those are usually what's going on with the couples I've been seeing as of late. Mm-hmm. Um, my goals for them are a little bit more uh, they are their, their goals but they're tweaked from a different lens like how I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. saying I want them to connect and provide a space for them to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So I say that up front and I'm looking at both of them dead in their eyes like mm. oh no I'm serious like <laughs> y'all gonna get deep in here <laughs> mm-hmm. so that they know like this is not gonna be like a place where you can um, you know not put stuff out there and the couples that haven't put stuff out there like I had one couple who recently you know, they didn't work out mm-hmm. was because a lot of the things weren't being said in the room I know oh my god I do not understand your couples so his couples do not be like speaking to each other about the stuff discussed in therapy unless mm-hmm. they're in the therapy room. And yeah. I'm like, 
how are y'all doing y'all homework? Because y- y- it takes work. We only see you an hour out of the right. entire week. It, it Therapy takes work. And if you're not doing the work outside, I'm not working harder than you. So, okay. I mean, let's be, if you want to be real, like, having a therapist is like having uh, a teacher. You're like, you're in school again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you're in school again. Except your teacher is like really cool and really cares about you. Mm-hmm. It's not a dick. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Damn, what kind of teachers have you had? <laughs> I'm just saying, I've had some that were, you know, not cool mm-hmm. and were dicks. Mm-hmm. I know which one you're talking about, oh, too. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Latin. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Excuse me. I have a cold. <laughs> Anyways, a little salt, a little salt. <laughs> um, <laughs> she shot her drama from teaching. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's real. And not believing in our little black boys. Man, you really got to worry about who's uh, who's educating you. Okay, we're not about true. to go on this rant. Yeah, it's true, it's true, it's true. <laughs> But anyways, um, what were we talking about? See, we were talking about um, goals of therapy, and you were saying how your goals are a little bit tweaked from... And I was giving an example of Mm -hmm. teachers. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have to do the homework and everything Mm -hmm. else like that. So Mm -hmm. mine come from that lens Mm -hmm. of wanting people to connect and being vulnerable so they know going into it, even if they are trying to work on their communication, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be surface level. We're going to talk about your family of origin, Mm -hmm. like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about how you've communicated in past relationships. So now I guess I'll give the example of what I was talking about before, mm-hmm. where my goal is to look at some of your relationship origins, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I do. It's like I go through your significant relationships within uh, a significant time of your life. Like, you know, you have like those partners Nah, stand out. I start from early on. No, no, I'm saying, but, <laughs> no, you start off from early on, but I'm saying, I can't go through every partner. That's what I'm saying, I do. You go through every partner that they've had? Like, I mean, if it's significant, I say, that's what what, I said, whoever significant. whoever you want me to know. Yeah, about. that's what I mean. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say, like the ones that stand out in your mind, mm-hmm. you know those ones, mm-hmm. those are the ones that we have to talk about. But I do start with the first. Yeah, you always start with the yeah. first. You always mm-hmm. start with the first. Um, but yeah, you go through those and mm-hmm. then it really gives you a better picture of how they communicate or how they, uh, interpret your quality time. Mm-hmm. You know, Cause that's what the other thing, interpretations and perspectives, we can go over that later. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so going through that and then we combine, like I said, collaborate mm-hmm. and then we get to solidifying our goals, um, as we all see them. So we're all on the same page. Um, and that can be scary because like I'm holding them accountable to it. Like no matter what happens, they know in the back of my head. Like I know what the goal is, mm-hmm. and I know what they BS and I know when they're not working. I'm never gonna work harder than you, mm-hmm. but I will point it out and make you feel better. About it. <laughs> <laughs> but and yeah, I gotta call my clients out. Like it takes work to change. Like especially if your shit is like habitual, that shit takes like, work. I, I t- I, like literally from the jump, I'm telling you, like this is the space to get uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. We get vulnerable. We about to go in deep. Y'all ready? <laughs> Are y'all ready? Because mm-hmm. it's about to go down. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, for my clients, so I see a lot of um kids uh and adults. Um. So it's more individual. Uh. So their goals for the adults. 
Uh, it's usually a lot of um, depression and anxiety and a lot of trauma. Um, yeah. So for trauma, the goals they give me are usually to heal that trauma and then process that trauma. Yeah. So I'm going on two years with a few of my clients and they've been through a lot of trauma. So, um, so yeah, so it's healing and processing that trauma. And then, um, for, (laughs) for, uh, just depression and anxiety, it's finding coping skills, healthy and effective coping skills. And, uh, well, those are my words, <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but they, they'll say coping. <laughs> um, and then, uh, uh, to, um, yeah, to feel better. That's usually what yeah. they give me to feel better. Um, yeah. I get that sometimes. Yeah. Especially for individuals. Like yeah. Just yeah. feel better. So. Depression, man. Yeah. But my goals for them are to give them healthy and effective coping <laughs> skills, um, to increase positive self-talk. Depression is a lot, a lot of negative self-talk and we have to, um, increase your view of yourself, um, eliminate any judgment of self or decrease any judgment of self in there. Hmm. Um, cause that happens a lot with the negative self-talk as well. Or if it's anybody else's voices challenge and check that it's basically, I use cognitive behavioral therapy. So you catch the negative thought, challenge the negative thought and change the negative thought. So, um, and there's more specifics to that. Things, yeah. Manifestation baby. <laughs> really do. So it's a lot of thought work. Um, and then the thought can turn into emotional work. Um, yeah. And, if it's emotional work, it's usually the trauma. It took, it's usually... it took me a while to get my emotional work together. Now I'm, I'm really good. I can hold space and hold people. Well, I actually, and then see, talking to you and talking to my other colleague um, and how you approach emotional work, I was thinking I was doing it wrong. And this is where confidence in, as a therapist comes in because, again, even if you've been practicing for 20 years, that person can walk in and you'd be like, what the fuck? Okay. Oh, yeah. So you this never, is why yeah. consultation with other therapists is oh, important. Yeah. You never, I yeah. don't never get cocky about my shit. I get happy that I'm doing good work, but mm-hmm. I never get like, oh, can't nobody, like, I don't know. Yeah, Somebody nah. throw me off with, like, you know how many things couples go through that could be different? And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Come yeah. Everybody is off. unique. Everybody got their exactly. own stuff. Somebody could be like, yeah. A problem I even that's not even in my mind exactly, to think of right now. Exactly. <laughs> um, so what was I saying? So you were saying, um Oh depression. I was talking about depression, I was talking about trauma, problems. emotional work. work. Um, mm-hmm. so I approach emotional work very logically. Um and it helps because a lot of my clients are uh, logic based and, and thought based. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it helps with yeah. me. And it, it's so interesting the clients that I get. Most of my clients are artistic and most of my clients are thought based. So it's very interesting because it's like that's how I am. And we just connect so well. So we'll talk about that a little <laughs> bit more later. But, um, but yeah, so those are a lot of my goals. Oh, and also boundaries. Pretty much all of my clients need boundaries and they don't understand boundaries and that's why they're suffering a lot of the time. So going over that, going over what healthy relationships look like, um, yeah, this is, it's pretty much those things. And then I realized that those are the solutions that I was talking about. Oh, communication, um, 
uh, teaching. I do a lot of teaching, honestly. I do a lot of teaching. Yeah, you do. Um, and then like, all right, let's go back it's, to practicing. Like we were saying with yeah. the homework, you, yeah. your, your therapist is, you're in school, my dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you really are. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm not healing and processing trauma, I'm teaching. And even in that, I'm still teaching. But, um, yeah. and then a lot of communication and listening work as well. Even for individuals. Um, yeah. So, now I want to talk about the expectations of therapy. Mm. Okay. So, for this, I want it to be the expectations that clients have of therapy. So, hence the therapy myths and the therapy stereotypes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I think one of the biggest myths for couples therapy anyway, mm-hmm. is that my job is to fix your relationship. Mm. Speak on it. Uh, no. My job is to uh, basically take a look at the two of you in a couple dynamic. If there is a space that I can see a way of you connecting better and I can help with that, I will point that out and I will try to get you to understand how that space can be expanded so that you can connect in better ways. That's what my job is to do. And depending on what your goals are, that gets tweaked in certain ways. Because everything's about connection. Like, your ability to communicate, even if it's co-parenting, is about the way that you can connect with one another. Even if it's just on a co-parenting level. Mm. You know? So, like, that's my lens. So, no matter what, that's where I'm coming from. So, anybody that walks through that door, that's my, you know, my compass, my North Star. It's like, connection. Mm-hmm. There's two people in this room, and there's something blocking that connection and that's stopping them from getting to their goals. Mm. So no matter what, that's my job, is to point out whatever those things are, mm. analyze them, and then get and to And see, this is why you need to write your book. Yes, I Because do. <laughs> I was not aware of this, and this is why I don't do couples. <laughs> okay? Like, nah, I don't do that. Right. So that's, you know, that's what I do when I'm going. That's, that's my, my goal. My client's goal <laughs> are always to think that I fix things, but mm-hmm. that's just really not the case. Mm-hmm. The other goals that, that the uh, couples usually have is, uh, or expectations rather, is that couples therapy is supposed to somewhat make things better or fix the other partner. You know what I mean? Like one partner is saying, he doesn't do this. So mm-hmm. he needs to fix this and that's why we're here, basically. Mm-hmm. Or she doesn't do that and that's why we're here. So they basically divide the, try to divide the couple's therapy into really just individual therapy with them being there and pointing shit out. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. oh, we in individual therapy and let me tell you all the things this motherfucker needs to work on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they just go down this list. I'm like, whoa, what, what are you doing so that's another thing they have this expectation that it's like they don't have to do any work one partner doesn't feel like they have to do any work and that they're just there to correct the other partner's behavior and that imbalance from the jump oh I'm, yeah i'm quick to sniff that out yeah. it's like nah we're not doing that <laughs> like that's you both have to work it's gonna be I'm not going to say like 100% equal amount of work because maybe some people do, do have to do more work than the other. Mm-hmm. But and this is why self-healing and self-work you know, is very individual important. Individual therapy 
Mm-hmm. Go to it. If you're in couples therapy, try to get an individual therapist too. But yeah, those are like the big ones, I think. Mm. For uh, expectations for couples. Mm. Anyways. Um, so I'm, I realized I should probably look this up. So I was, I was looking at him. <laughs> uh, so let me see if I have. So first off, now I'll come back to that. Um, so this is a article, it's called Nine Myths and Facts About Therapy. It's on Psych Central and it's by Margarita Tartakovsky, which is very interesting because it seems like a Latinx name, first name, and then like a Russian last name. Right. So that was very interesting name. Shout out to Margarita Tartakovsky. And apologize, but I ain't saying it right. And I'm not going through all of these because I have never heard some of these, so I'm not about to say them. I feel like that might be some. I feel like that might be some white people shit. We ain't saying that. So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, for example, therapists are all new agey, warm, fuzzy. You're good enough, smart enough, cheerleader types. Have you ever heard that shit? No. Exactly. So I was like, nope. Okay. So myth number one. Cheerleader types. Like right? I ain't never heard that shit. Um, therapy is for people with serious issues. So we, I think we, um, touched on that on one Mm -hmm. of the previous episodes with the therapy series. I don't remember what, um, yeah, no therapy is for whoever wants to go to therapy. If you need some help in your life, go to therapy. Yeah. Hold up! What did I just post? I just posted, and it and it had so so many so many things. Okay, even if you don't think you need it. Go to therapy. Exactly. Even if you, sorry, even if you don't think you need it, go to therapy. If you want healthy relationships with people, go to therapy. For sure. If you want to be happy with yourself as a person, go to therapy. If you want to break toxic cycles, go to therapy. If you're reading this, go to, <laughs> go to therapy. Trust me. If you're listening to this. Yeah. And that was by Nick Comodina on Twitter and I had reposted I it on names. the on the, though, on, on the it's a real <laughs> instagram account but yeah it's like whatever you're dealing with go to therapy you know problems at work go to therapy problems at home go to therapy problems within your relationship go to therapy problems within your family go to therapy stuff going on inside of you go to therapy like everything <laughs> it helps to be able to talk and express what's going on inside of you and get it out and hear a different perspective okay we're able to connect the patterns that you can't see because of your blind spots so it does, it does not have to be serious. And honestly, the later you go, the la- the later you wait to go to therapy, like the less, I mean, sometimes we can still, but it's harder. It is much harder work later on when it's deeper, you yeah, know, it's true and more serious. So yeah, go way before it gets serious. Um, one of the myths they have on here is therapy is unnecessary when you can just talk to good friends. We also address this in the therapy series, Unpacking the Stigma. Yeah, I don't care. Um, and that's the same with the faith as well, talking to the pastor. And I don't, I'm not dying to discredit good conversations with good friends because you can have great conversations. Mm-hmm. But one, your friend is not obligated to, to hear to, all of that right. and to sit and hold your pain. And like, sometimes that's, that's ruining the dynamic of your friendship by you putting so much weight mm-hmm. on them specifically for that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause then they switch from being friend to caretaker mode. Exactly. And yeah. then it's kind of hard sometimes to 
and and they, they may not have the capacity to hold that for exactly. you and to hear those things. I know they some, may be going through their own stuff. Right. I know some friends I have have, have gone through some things. And it's like heavy stuff, and we talk about it. And it can depend on me to talk, but it's mm-hmm. like, like if we were talking every day or something else like that, I would I would be like, look, what's going on? You need to see a therapist or something mm-hmm. else like that. You need to make sure that you're seeing people and you're taking care of that. Mm-hmm. But I literally cannot do this. I can't be this person for you. Exactly. I'm here for you no yeah, matter what. Yeah. But I can't be for you. I can't be that for you in this moment. And that is called boundaries, ladies and gentlemen. It's, and it's true because that's unhealthy for me mm-hmm. and my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's helping you because I think you're using my, my I guess my empathy is, not, not my empathy, is you're using me as a way of escaping as well instead of actually mm-hmm. going to get some somebody who can address things on another level that I can't because you know that I'm here dependable as a friend, mm-hmm. but that's a relationship that you're already secure in. Yeah. And maybe I might not push back on some mm-hmm, of the things that you mm-hmm. may need. Yeah, you know true. what I mean. So and and, that, and that's what I was gonna say. Safe. It's like th- they may not give you the right things that you mm-hmm. need to hear. And you know, let's be honest. Like some friends are, they have the same blind spots you have. That's and, probably why y'all friends. And, y'all like minded. Misery does love company. No, just not why. So. Check your friends. But, but, <laughs> but, but, I mean, that's just saying that your friend hasn't gone through their own journey and their work and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, but yeah, they may not have the tools to give you. They may not, because therapy is not advice, okay? That's that's not what we do. Right. Um, that, that is definitely a stereotype of therapy. It's not advice. Um, we give our clients tools. We're able to qu- connect patterns and break things down yeah. or challenge ideas Um, and things like that. So yeah, the friend may not be able to do all of that. And it's not their responsibility to do that. That's what therapists are for, you know? Um, so yeah, it's like, I'm here and I know how to hold all of this. Like I said, last episode, I have 27 clients. I hold everything. That's why self-care is so crucial for us. You know? Um... This one, therapists can only help if they've experienced the same thing. I get this a lot with my parents because I don't have children. <laughs> You're better. <laughs> ah, that's funny. So I get often, oh, you can't learn parenting from a book. Oh, you could. So then I have to, I mean, I can and I did because I was not exposed to like my parents did a wonderful job of practicing intentional parenting with me. They did a beautiful job and I definitely learned a lot from them, from their parenting style. So let's learn that. Even though I didn't have kids, I learned from my parents' parenting style. That's have where you, you going to learn the most from. Exactly. Have you intentionally, but my parents were practicing intentional parenting. You learned your parenting skills from your parents just by watching them. Okay. Like you do a, Kids are like sponges. You observe everything, okay? So if your parents weren't practicing intentional parenting and kind of sucked at their parenting, that's what you learned. So don't come for me. But anyways. <laughs> she just went to her own little world. Um, it'd be irritating me because I'm like, you're in my office, aren't you? I mean, obviously something ain't working. <laughs> that's true. But, um, but yeah, so yes, I read books on people who studied child development so that way I would know how to meet my child's developmental needs, okay? 
and I learned what was unhealthy within my family and the families around me and, and things like that. Um, cause my parents still did it, you know, they were great, but you know, we still have a culture where we have some slavery ways, you know, yeah. as far as raising our children. Yeah. So decolonizing the mind within that. Um, but also I have to explain to them that I've been around children for most of my life and I didn't really realize the impact of it until I was talking to you, oh, that my sister had my nephew when I was 11 so I was exposed mm. to a baby and then she started an in-home daycare center after that. So then I'm around kids all the time when I'm at her house. Mm -hmm. And then my mom started an in-home daycare center. Um, so that was when my sister started, it was about middle school. And then when my mom started, it was about high school. So now this is in my house where children are in my house. So I was around babies and toddlers and preschoolers constantly. So I'm always around that type of stuff. So, and then, um, as in a mentoring program a mentorship program in college and I was with middle school and high school age girls and then um when I was in grad school my practicum site was at a child care facility where they had um infants up to school age kids so I've been around children a lot and I'm also seeing the different perspective of how daycares do it so you know you can't spank the kids so I'm seeing what kind of discipline techniques they use and the educational techniques they use like it was really a very beautiful learning environment as far as what kids need because they were required by law to hit certain things you know not the kids though <laughs> shut up <laughs> <laughs> To hit certain learning <laughs> developmental points okay so and parents aren't required by law to do those unfortunately if i had it my way but anyways <laughs> so yes even though i don't have children i can teach you how to parent teach me how to parent teach, teach me how to parent hey uh the last myth oh no no man uh the eighth myth they have on here is people who go to therapy are weak <laughs> strongest people in the world yes because it takes a lot of courage to ask for help you ask anybody who doesn't go to therapy some of the reasons they go it's because they say uh i don't want to go that deep i don't want to like you know i want nobody that deep inside or to know me like that well they're they're scared of somebody and usually that person is themselves mm -mm. finding out what's you know what's going on deep inside why they are the way they are mm -hmm. they're scared of self-reflection like i said therapy takes work that look in the mirror is the scariest thing mm -hmm. you gotta look at yourself and and you know when you're raw and you gotta see your own self mm -hmm. in your purest form, you might not like the that picture. You mm -hmm. might not like that. So, mm -hmm. um, so another uh, stereotype that therapy has is based on movies. Oh yeah. Um, so first off, ones, so man. first off, there have been terrible representations God. of therapy within movies. Let's terrible. just say that they, mind you, this is entertainment. They did not consult any mental health professional for these scenes. So no, a lot of that is unrealistic and unethical. Okay. So, um, the whole blank slate thing, mind you, that's white people, black people were not blank slates. This is a relationship. Okay. I have conversation with you. You have conversation with me. Okay. Um, and then no, clients do not have to lay down on a couch. <laughs> you can sit up. You stand up. I don't care. <laughs> like, you can sit on the floor. Conversation. Like, yeah, we just talking. 
Like, again, these movies are unrealistic. And how long ago were they for a lot of them? Okay. Right. <laughs> like old school therapist. Exactly. White, and still white people. Old yeah. white men. Yeah. So I do want to talk about... let in the field. <laughs> right? Yeah. I do want to talk about a couple of movies that have um, good representations of... Well, actually, eh, good and bad. We have a couple. Um, representations of therapy. I, say, like, I, I know all the bad. Where the good ones? Right. At? <laughs> so, um, do you want to start with the bad or start with the good? Let's start with the bad. Okay. And on the good note. Okay. So f- the bad representation of therapy was in the Netflix series yeah, Thirteen knew. Reasons I Why. Let's go start with that one. I already knew. I hate this one. That shit blew me because I knew all, so man. many people were watching that series, and I was like, "This is what you're showing people as the representation for therapy." And they got a lot of backlash from mental health professionals. First off, the series was fucking triggering as shit, and they did not have any kind of statement saying how triggering it was. So they got so much backlash from from mental health professionals because they just did not, they didn't consult with us. So the next, the the second um, season of that show, they did have mental health professionals that they were consulting with, and they did... um, like when they did the That's breakdown, good. the breakdown of like all the scenes and the characters and stuff like that, they had a mental health professional on the panel. Um, so yeah, they definitely because we was like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> like she expressed rape and suicidal ideation, and he let her walk out the room without addressing it. Like what the yeah. fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so yeah, terrible representation. All right, the next one is Bender Snatch. <laughs> Another Netflix. <laughs> Netflix, you're killing me. So, what do you think of that? Yeah, she was just a. I get it because she was playing a role, literally. Mm-hmm. But she, that was a terrible uh, representation. Representation for a therapist because she would uh, basically put ideas into his head. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't what you mean, is it? Like, you would want to do this, right? Like, who does that leading? That's like a cop trying mm-hmm. to lead you on to a certain answer that he wants. That's yes. how I felt like. Yeah. And I was just like, what? Who does that? I know. That? Like, he didn't even remotely say that. Right. And like, you were putting it all on exactly. him. Exactly. You put all of that on Okay. Him. Yeah. When I, whenever I have a theory or something like that, one of my best things, the, the best thing I say is, yeah, I might be tripping, but. <laughs> 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 have you ever looked at it like this? Mm-hmm. And that's how I look at it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yo, this popped into my head. But I'm letting you know, this is me. Yeah. And I'm letting you know, like, let me know if I am tripping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, for real, because I could be. I'm human. I'm a therapist, but I'm human. Yeah. Like, I'm not God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yo, am I tripping? Or if you look at it from this way, Yeah, I do this? say, like, you know? this is the thought that I had. Right. Let me know if this exactly. is, you know. But she did the opposite. She yeah. was like... All leading. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just really didn't like that. Yeah. yeah. So that that was just a bad one. Yeah. All right. So on to some better ones. Yay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, not bad. <laughs> uh, Antoine Fisher, where Denzel Washington was the therapist. Oh, right. Yeah. Wow. Dang. I ain't seen him in a minute. Mm-hmm. So for that movie, I did think it was a very powerful representation of a therapist. However, 
some of the things probably wouldn't have happened in reality for as how close they got just because we have a lot of restrictions placed on this. Now, I don't know as the extent as far as what the rules are in the military. I don't know all that. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think they're same. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, you know, theatrics. Yeah, but um, like as far as uh, the client showing up to his house, you know, like that's just not happening, you know. So uh, unless you work out of your house and even then I'm like, why? That's weird. And how is that not violating confidentiality, you know? But I guess people. (laughs) But um, what's it called? So but the amount of support that Denzel, I forgot his character name, but Denzel gave um, Antoine Fisher, Derek Luke. Uh, and the sad thing was like, Derek Luke was the therapist in 13 Reasons Why. And I was like, damn it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. This is wild. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he was extremely supportive and a positive male role model and just a positive black person. Like it was just extremely a beautiful representation of the support that therapists can give their clients. Um, because sometimes they are isolated, they are alone and you are all they have basically. Um, so I do have clients who want to see me more than once a week because of that. Yeah. And yeah. And it's, um, and unfortunately health insurance don't pay for that shit. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing that came up with them. And he was like, you only get three sessions. Um, what the fuck is going to happen in three sessions, especially with somebody with trauma, like the hell. But like, uh, there's a there's a lot of limitations put on us, and it's just annoying as fuck. Medicare for all. Yeah. <laughs> Political series coming soon. Exactly, but um, but yeah. So other than that, you know, I think it was a good representation. Um, next, uh, she's got to have it. She's got to have it. Mm-hmm. Where she had a black woman therapist. Oh, right. Yeah. Yo, I forgot all about these. Good mm-hmm. thing you pulled these things up. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that one. Yeah. See, she watches a lot more. <laughs> I do. She watches a lot lie. more Netflix than I do. Yeah. I'm, I the, I'm the one whose account it is. You the one sharing. <clears throat> Look, you ain't got to put my money out there. You ain't got to put my money out there. Look, thought we was cool. I thought we was cool. You ain't got to do all that. You ain't do all that. <laughs> Yes, yeah, nothing. You know they trying to cut down on that? They trying to uh, make like an algorithm or some other like... Uh, well, I just got you, damn. I know, but they trying to... Um, for other people who share mm-hmm. accounts, they mm-hmm. trying to cut down on that. Cause mm-hmm. I think like how many people you can share with? Just like people who aren't actually on the account. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool if I'm on there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, my little box. I got a little box. <laughs> say my oh, name. Gotcha. But like people would just share passwords. Mm-hmm. Like if you gave somebody else your password, you try to cut down on that because I think the number is some crazy like thirty six percent of millennials do that. So it's like, <laughs> well, we're broke. What do you, you want? I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Shit, we we damn sure can't afford cable. Anyways, right. but yeah. So, uh, so she's yeah. gotta have it. That yeah. was the, mm-hmm. the example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a pretty good therapist. Mm-hmm. He's very warm and uh, very, very calming, I think, and met her where she was. Mm-hmm. And asked questions. In the, even though I feel like, um, what was her name? I have no idea. You Whatever, know. The, the character's name, Dewana? 
Oh, the main character? Was that her name or was that the actress' name? I have no idea. What I don't know, but the the, the is, main but character she was... and she's got to have it this this series, not the movie. Um, she uh was resistant. Yeah, she was. Yeah, course. she was definitely resistant. Same thing with Molly and uh, Insecure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was the next example. I was gonna say mm-hmm. Molly and Insecure also saw a black woman therapist. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked her. Her therapist was really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's interesting how the black women therapists have positive reps. <laughs> Maybe it's the context in the film that black they are men. in. How there's gonna be a black male therapist? I know they're rare. And and then he gonna be shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't he be good? There ain't that many of well, us. Well, Denzel was good. Damn. But that was old. Yeah. All right. So we are going over on this episode. So stay with us. And feel free to pause because we're not doing a live video. <laughs> but um, but I wanted to talk about what our expectations were before we went into therapy. So I kind of want to get some backstory for you because um, O got his BA in psychology and you were doing peer counseling. Mm-hmm. So you had a little bit more exposure to it than I did. I got my BA in broadcast journalism with a minor in psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I hadn't practiced therapy at all until the second uh, year of grad school so it was a long time before I actually started practicing by the time like I knew what I was going to do so what would you say your expectations of therapy was before you started actually practicing uh my expectations of therapy mm-hmm. I guess I would say my expectation was well, I had a different mindset I guess that frames my expectations. <laughs> Which is probably why you became a therapist. <laughs> yeah. But also in that, it, it, it grew and developed as I grew and developed. Mm-hmm. Um, because I used to look at therapy and expect it to be something where it's like, I'm going to just be seeing clients. They're going to be coming to my office. I'm going to have my stuff set up. I'm going to be in private practice. I'm going to be making hella money and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And it's like, that changed as I developed and got through not only undergrad, but um, graduate school. Mm -hmm. Because I saw the steps that it took to get there. Mm -hmm. And how much effort you have to put in. Mm -hmm. And how much paperwork Mm -hmm. and uh, logistics and everything (laughs) else like that you have to go through. Not only that, but it's not as easy. I didn't realize this part. I didn't even take into consideration, this is what I mean by my mindset then, self-care at all. Mm. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like I just explained to you, I thought I'm going to be seeing clients, I'm at my private practice. Mm-hmm. Now, once I say I'm going to take care of myself, so I'm I, sure Yeah, I, I didn't know how <laughs> mentally draining it would be. Right. And emotionally, no too. No clue. Yeah, underneath. No clue. Mm-mm. So it's more like, not that I was expecting something like, you know, crazy and like you know caught me off guard but it's more like what i didn't the things i didn't know i didn't know yeah which was Mm -hmm. basically that this is emotionally draining work this is like Mm -hmm. this is stuff that's gonna take energy out of your day Mm -hmm. Uh, it's gonna switch up your and it's like i I love what i do and i'm very passionate and it thrills me when things are moving well but it takes a while before the things are moving well. Sometimes Patience. you you gotta unpack so many things. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, so th- those things were, I think, were my biggest things when it comes to expectations. Mm-hmm. It was more like, I didn't know what I didn't know. And mm-hmm. then when it hit me, it was like, wow, I should have expected this. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know right. Yeah. I, mean? I was thinking about it logically. <laughs> right, right. I should have. I really mm-hmm. should have. But it's like, I, 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 it's probably the gift and the curse of the helper's lens. Because you're mm-hmm. looking at it from, oh, I can do all these things for these people. Mm-hmm. And you're never looking at it from your own perspective. Of like, how much energy am I going to have to give out mm-hmm. in order to help these people? Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Definitely feel you on that. Um, for me, I had not a fucking clue <laughs> what therapy was going to be like. Because I was riding off these right, movies, right, too. Right, right, right. Like, I, did, I had, didn't. You had different majors, too, so. Yeah, like I had not, I decided my junior year of undergrad that I was going to go into therapy. And yes, it was partly because I was not ready to be an adult and I need to do something after I graduated. (laughs) But don't tell my parents. (laughs) It was a good choice. (laughs) But I really wasn't ready. I was ready by the time I I left grad school though. So there's that. But, um, But yeah, like I had not a clue what therapy was because I had never been um I only had movies to draw from from what it looked like now I went in wanting to work on the relational bits um to help their families connect and parenting (laughs) yeah but um but yeah I had not a clue and my biggest thing was I don't know what to fucking ask I don't know what questions to ask I don't want to know what to say to these people You know, that was never a problem for me. <laughs> yeah, I had not a clue what to ask. And then it was it was interesting Damn. because I wanted to be a radio psychologist or a radio talk show host. So I wanted to understand the, um, because I wanted to have something to say, which is interesting because I've always had something to say. I just wasn't confident in it. Okay. Confidence is another big piece, yeah. Yes, yes. So now I got plenty of shit to say, but I also have stories to draw from. So, and that's what I was, honestly, that's what I was thinking. I was like, therapy, going into marriage and family therapy can teach me how to talk about relational issues and look at it from a different lens. And I can also use stories of clients to, you know, use as examples to help other people and be relatable and bring that in and things like that. Like I was thinking from a broadcaster lens, but also trying to understand what the fuck happened to black people. But, and I, but then it was also... Like, um, well, I can be talking to the parents and the adults on the radio. I can be helping the kids and the families and the parents in therapy. So it was like the individual and masses kind of connection there. But as far as what was happening inside the therapy room, I had not a fucking clue. And then some of my classes, they showed videos of sessions. So mind you, for video sessions, you do have to get the consent of the client. Um, and they say they use it for like educational and training purposes. Um, so yeah, so it was, that's the only time I got to see what it was like in class when they were showing us the videos, but it was usually white people being the therapist. So it was like, even if they had black clients, it was like, uh, yeah, it was old as shit. Like eighties. Yeah. So I'm like, this ain't even relevant for today. What am I going to do? So, now I want to go to what we learned in school. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, once I got to, uh, you're talking about grad school, right? Yeah. Okay. So, once I got to grad school, um, 
what I really learned was, oh, <laughs> going back to what I was talking about before that burnout, <laughs> I learned that from experience. <laughs> <laughs> I got smacked with that. Ooh, that lack of self-care hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah, man. Grad school, I was doing 10 to 12-hour days because I had practicum where I was seeing clients. Working, too. Working and, oh cl- and classes. Oh man, I was I was having mental breakdowns. And I had shit going on with my family. I had to go to therapy. Like, whoo. It was, yeah, grad school was rough. I was going through the worst shit ever. Yeah. I've talked about it on the podcast mm-hmm. clearly, but, um, yeah, oh my God, mm-hmm. bad times. Yeah. <laughs> bad times, but good times. It was like so much growth, though. Yes, like I we grew immensely. We grew tremendously and exponentially in a short amount of time because you're just learning and unlearning so fucking much. <laughs> it was it was quite a stretch. <laughs> Stretched me out, man. Like <laughs> ten feet tall. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, what I learned also outside of the <laughs> the grueling <laughs> pain of my lack of self care. <laughs> So you learn the importance of self-care. Definitely learned that. <laughs> definitely learned that one. Mm-hmm. Um, also learned, like, um, just my, I guess my, my desire to work with couples, it really solidified when mm. I got to the relation, like the marriage one-on-one class mm. uh, with my mentor, Alexandra, uh, Alex, Alex uh, Solomon. She's, like, the best couples therapist uh in the midwest check out her book loving Bra- loving bravely i think it's called yes loving bravely uh i've read it before it's got so many breakdowns and everything mm-hmm. and she just knows how to break down relationships really well so she mentored me uh i took the class and it solidified me wanting to teach as well which is something i still want to do mm-hmm. And I think I, I bring that into my work and weigh that mm-hmm, into my work mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. So I was learning a lot of the lessons about like, it's kind of like deconstructing what I thought therapy mm-hmm. um, kind of was in a stereotypical way. Because although I didn't necessarily think like, oh, well, what's on TV is what it is. Mm-hmm. I still had, like, a little bit of that in my mind. You know what I mean? It's It's, still stuck in there. Especially because we hadn't gone to therapy ourselves. Right, so So it's still stuck in there. So this is a good point to even say to the audience, Mm -hmm. like, even us. Like, we at some point were like, we fell for the bullshit. (laughs) You know? know? We really did. Mm -hmm. And it stopped stopped your growth. It's like, Mm -hmm. you thinking that therapy is some, like, outlandish, like, far away, Mm -hmm. like mystical thing or some like terrible thing it's really just people talking talking. some boogeyman thing where it's like no we're just talking we're Mm -hmm. really talking and we just have a certain perspective and training Mm -hmm. to get to deeper conversations like Mm -hmm. how i introed and i said look we getting deep Mm -hmm. that's that's all it is it's just i'm able to get there a lot quicker than you would be able to on your own Mm -hmm. so all that was going on for me i think in grad school i really learned a lot about how therapy is a combination of like the art and the science. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. That's why I think it really got solidified. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I realized like my natural art and ability to connect with people mm-hmm. is what I need to use with the science that I have mm-hmm. and I've what I've been learning. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and that's when my confidence kind of got gained up because mm-hmm. I, 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 I was in a room full of other people. Mm-hmm. It's like, kind of like what you were saying, like when you say, oh, I didn't look at it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. That's what made me realize, like, oh, I'm different. <laughs> like, oh, I, I look at things from a certain perspective. And it's like, I wasn't confident enough to show that every time, especially mm-hmm. not in class mm-hmm. and everything else like that. But eventually I started growing with that too. And mm-hmm. that's the other piece, learning confidence through learning what therapy actually is. Yeah, that's very true. Now I want to pause and say... We got boatloads of supervision when we were practicing therapy. Like in school, I had an individual supervisor and I had a group supervisor. Mm -hmm. For my individual supervisor, I had to do um, two video cases. Yeah, you always got to do. Yeah. And then group supervision was one video case and then I think two case. Yeah, live video Mm -hmm. and then two case presents. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. For the individual supervisor, we needed a live Mm -hmm. observation too. And then the group supervisor, it was one video and two case presentations. And then at the practicum site, I had another supervisor who um, I had to do, that was ongoing uh, video presentations and then individual supervision every week. Um, so we got so many fucking supervisions. Mind you, you're watching everybody else's in your group. Exactly, yeah. So. That's the point of the videos and groups, too, to see how other people do it. Right, too. so you're seeing other people's styles and everything else mm-hmm. like that. I remember just, like, because I didn't think I was that confident in my mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. just watching other people. Mm-hmm. But then having other people comment on you, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Other people commenting on me, I'm like, really? Did I? Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, because you're so com- insecure, you don't exactly. know what you're doing. That's the you, you, yeah, you, you start gaining that, and mm-hmm. it's like, once you get that piece, it's really amazing. It really, it really is. is. I think I hit it at the end mm-hmm. of school, at the end of practicum, and I was like, fuck, I'm a therapist. Don't and then, and then it's like, <laughs> because like my supervisor that I have presently, he said that we all became therapy therapists because we had the we had it inside of us right. before and then the training just like expanded upon it like we had these questions in our head to make these connections and to call out things we had these questions in our head so by the time i ended practicum i knew what questions to ask it just came naturally to me right like it wasn't necessarily me being trained in it like sure they gave me some things to like start off with but by the end of it it's like i knew what questions to ask and you're doing it for a reason yeah like you said it's like there's there's a reason behind your thinking like there's a reason why you think the way you think Mm -hmm. and you know once you embrace that like yeah you do different that's why you're a therapist Mm -hmm. this is your lane Mm -hmm. so you know be confident in it. exactly exactly um but I do want to say we were taught a bunch of modalities or theories. Right. And all of these have different goals. They have different language. They have different um, skills. Uh, what else do they have? Different. I don't know. I'm about to take this test. I should know. But, um, I mean, they, they, they're very diverse. They have different roles of the therapist. Right. Um, yeah, so there's they have no different one, tools. Yeah, there's no one modality, basically, that... that encompasses every form of, of therapy. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like we were talking about with the art and the science. Mm-hmm. A lot of the science uh, was developed through an art. Mm, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, Learn, uh, trial and error. Right, trial and error. So but, it's like, um, 
Yeah. It's always that ebb and flow between those two things, mm-hmm. like the art, the science, the art, the science. Mm-hmm. And that's how like therapy grows and mm-hmm. develops over time. I think it was so rigid and so much like quote unquote science based off of white male opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, which is like what I say is law. <laughs> yeah. That's not real science. Anyways. <laughs> Cause when you look back in the theories, I'm like, motherfucking what? Mm-hmm. Not, what research did you do? None. Exactly. I did one experiment and I was like, aha, I feel like this is how it is. Exactly. <laughs> but like as we go through time, that's mm-hmm. how therapy really evolves and develops because we're starting to actually listen to people mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we're starting to actually listen to their feelings mm-hmm. and then we're using um, the tools that we've learned in school. But even um, yeah it goes back to having it naturally like when people ask me what theory I use what modality I use like mm-hmm. I use cognitive behavioral therapy I gravitate towards that but I'm very integrative I don't just stick with that but a lot of times I'm just being myself and I said this with the one of the last uh, episodes of the therapy series that um, I'm just being myself and <laughs> connecting with whatever client that is. And then my colleague was like, oh, you're actually practicing this type of theory and didn't even know it. And I was like, see, <laughs> mm-hmm. so so, yeah, it's, it's definitely the training helps, but we do have something to do this work. Right. Not everybody. So find the right fit. But um, but yeah. Uh, so what would you say you learned about body language, specifically with couples? Mm. All right, so body language with couples for me has always been a thing. I've always, there was a series called, damn it, what was it called? Fuck. It was a series about body language. This dude could read body languages really good, and mm. that was the whole point of the series. I'm so mad I'm blanking on the title. Somebody probably listening to this knows exactly what I'm talking about. Uh yeah, if you could. Yeah. Uh I'll put my research team right on it. It's really just Rocky on her phone. <laughs> um so Get on it, team. Show about body language. <laughs> Reading body language. Uh, I'll show you find it though, for real. Lie to me? Lie to me, yes. There we go. So Lie to Me was the show. Um man, I hope that shit gets on Netflix or something. That was a really bomb show. Uh, so he was able to read body language. I remember just being fascinated by the show and watching it. So mm-hmm. it was obviously gassed up because it's TV. Mm-hmm. But he would do certain things while, like find out who a murderer was by looking at like how they would lie or certain other mm-hmm. stuff. Um, I remember this one episode. I don't know why it's popping into my mind, but they this guy was accused of raping an uh, a underage girl, speaking of R. Kelly. But he didn't do it. He wasn't actually attracted to girls, and he could tell by the way he looked at women and his heartbeat and the way he looked and stuff like that, and he could tell he wasn't a pedophile, so he could tell that he was framed, and then they went back and did some other stuff, and I was wow. like, it was, it was just a crazy-ass episode. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not even saying the episode right, but I don't care. <laughs> Anyways, point being, I love that shit, mm-hmm. and it made me so fascinated with body language. Mm-hmm. So, I actually read a book on body language when I was in undergrad, mm-hmm. And I wanted to incorporate that with my couples. So mm-hmm. when I see a couple and I look at the distance between the two of them, it tells me stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when it comes to their engagement, like when couples are talking to each other, that's when they're like most heated and like the, there's the most energy between them. Mm-hmm. When they're talking to me, it's a little more separate. Mm-hmm. It's like tri- triangulation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 
You talking about that? Energy? That's a term that we learned in grad school. In grad school. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the energy is not all directed towards me. They're uh, towards uh, each other for the couple. So mm-hmm. it's directed towards me, and it's a little decentralized. You know, it's not so mm-hmm. much tension. Mm-hmm. Um, also, looking at eye contact and body language when it comes to those people who have been assaulted. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the women who have come into my office who have gone through any type of sexual assault from other men mm-hmm. find it hard to even look at me mm-hmm. as a man as they're telling their story. Mm-hmm. But when I give my response to their story, I'm, be sh- I'm always sure to look them in the eye because it's in a response to their trauma, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's where the connection kind of lies. So mm-hmm. even if they're not looking at me while they're saying it, if they're looking at my response, they always usually do because they're looking for the reaction. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's like little things like that in the body language. That's what I use in my work. And some of that is natural. Like you were saying, like, mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm doing that sometimes. It's just like an empathetic thing where it's like, mm-hmm. as a man, I'm like, oh shit, are you like, what the fuck that happened to you? Mm-hmm. In my body, in my soul, like mm-hmm. that's my natural thing because I'm a person who cares about other people like that. But because of my training and now, you know, mm. lying to me and looking at all this other mm-hmm. stuff, I want to, I go into it with the lens of like, yes, I want to make sure that's very clear. So I'm intentional, like, you know, make sure you give me eye contact. So now it is an automatic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I combine that art and science with what I do. And then that's how the body language comes to be incorporated. And I actually give that empathetic look like, look, I didn't know what was going on, but this, mm-hmm. this, I'll, I'll let you know, this is not okay men should not be doing this mm-hmm. and it's like that's the difference in that experience just by reading that body language and stuff like that so yeah. little things like that it's like that that can make or break not make or break just it can really make an experience for someone in the therapy room really authentic and real yeah. Bless you. Thanks. <laughs> so yeah i wasn't taught about body language really um they mentioned some things but it was not in depth Hmm. and I have a lot of individuals, so I don't need it that much. But I will say um, uh, when people are crying, hmm. some I like I have consoled some clients. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, like, it just depends on when I ask for consent to do that. Because some of my clients, like, have been through sexual trauma, so they're sensitive yeah. to touch. Um, but it is a reading the body language thing. Like, sometimes they instantly need that support. Like, they're not in a place to, like, say yes, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, yeah, I've, I've had that before where, um, but because I'm a guy. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, even they're hesitant to do that. Mm-hmm. And, I'm hesitant to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I'll ask, like, if I feel like, dude, like, if you need a hug, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here, mm-hmm. arms wide open. That's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Like, shoulder right here. <laughs> I got you. If yeah. you need it. Yeah, it definitely depends. Like, um, but I never I've had opposite sex like cry, and I have no inkling to go over there. So. Right, right. And then sometimes it's like, you know, there's been couples. Like, I've had... I've had it where like one couple, like the the woman, heterosexual couple, uh, the woman's bawling and the dude's stone face just like whatever, and I'm just like, bro. <laughs> 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 but 
But at that time, I got to keep it together because it's not my place to necessarily uh, console her, um, depending on the situation. I could mile that for him, but mm-hmm. if he's not in a place, like if he's stonewalling right there, me mauling for him, he's already shut off. He's yeah. not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So even in that, I got to read that body language. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where I learned with the crying what to do with the tissues. Oh yes, I love this. Go, <laughs> because go, go. I love this because it shit. was like you know people cry, but then the fuck the tissues like because if I give them the tissues, right. Bring that it down. that yeah. may mean that I'm saying please stop crying, mm-hmm. and this is a safe place to let it out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I do have to give my clients permission to cry because they don't think they can, and I'm like no, this is the place to do it. So handing them the tissues, um can like unconsciously send that message and I don't want to send that. So usually I'll just say, if you need the tissues, they're right there. But I usually, I honestly will wait. I will let them cry before I say anything. And then when it's getting, you know, snotty, then I'm like, the tissue's right there. You need it. Yeah, I just, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm in there with you. I'm looking at you. I'm giving mm-hmm. you eye contact. I'm mm-hmm. like, if you're telling me a story or mm-hmm. you're going through something, I'm there with you, and it's like, yeah, if you're getting all <laughs> like that, it's like, tissues are right there if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually haven't given any client my tissues uh, or gotten them for them. I get them, like, if it's, like, far from them or out of yeah, the room or something. They're like actually, like, right next to it. That's why I, mm-hmm. I don't do it. Mm-hmm. So I've never had to do it um, since we've been at, uh, yeah, since we've been at Cinco. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Um, now what about you crying? Oh, I, I tell, this is one of another things that I, I sometimes put in my intros. Like I say, we are going to be going through some stuff. I might cry. You might cry. We going to get through it though. Like, <laughs> I, I, I go, I'm all about it. Mm-hmm. I, I also say like sometimes, um, because of my personality, I'm, I'm goofy. I'm, I break that part of myself also into the therapy room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it helps sometimes come. Because humor can, mm-hmm. in a way, just, just soften the blow on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways. Especially with couples. Shit yeah, is tense. <laughs> yeah, I've had to do that a couple of times. Like, just joke about some shit, had them laugh. And like, see, now it wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so, what was the thing? Damn. Uh, crying. Crying. Okay. All right, so, with me crying, and I say that stuff, you know, from the jump. I also, with my personality being bubbly, cry tears of joy. So it's like, I've told uh, mm. clients before, like, if y'all have a breakthrough or something like that, I might literally cry. No, like, for real. <laughs> like, tears of joy. It won't be like me bawling or anything like that. But if you see me, like, laughing or anything else like that, and I have a couple of tears, like, coming down, that's just how I am. So hopefully that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. But if it does, hey, this is a space for it. <laughs> I just break it down like yeah. that. And it makes them feel a lot more comfortable mm-hmm. With, mm-hmm. with crying with me. It's like... And, and even with some of my teenagers, like like they cry. It's like you know I got some young boys, mm-hmm. and they get they, they got that like you know the one two, mm-hmm. one eye, two eye, mm-hmm. <laughs> wipe away, real quick. Just like two little tears. They not trying to you know mm-hmm. get bawled out or nothing like that. And it's like cool. They put their head down. I don't make a big deal about it. But it's like it's like they know that they can do it, and mm-hmm. they might do that every session. Mm-hmm. But it's like they know that they can do it there. Oh yeah, I definitely have to tell my men they have permission. Oh yeah. Because that, I mean, I'm a black woman and they're black men. And it's like, 
they, you know, they I'm, haven't had that. I'm often the first person to cry in my sessions. But, again, my crying is never, like, mm-hmm. crazy. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, like, it's not a, a very hysterical, whatever that means. <laughs> like, it's not very... It's silent tears. Yeah, pretty mm-hmm. much. I'm a very stoic teardropper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, one, two, all right, we done. <laughs> we're done crying again. No more. One, two, mm. we're done. <laughs> yeah, I get teary-eyed, but I don't I don't know if they've fallen. And they I'm fall, to... mine fall like real, like yeah. super slow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I don't catch know. them, I'm like, yeah. wow, man. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I'm, but it's, mind you, I'm going on four years of practicing therapy. Shit, has it really been that long? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going on four years yep. practicing therapy, and I just finished my 3,000 hours, about hey, to get hey, this hey, license. Hey, hey, hey. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's hard to remember everything, <laughs> especially because I have a terrible memory. So, who knows? Anyways, um, a couple other things. That I learned from school is sitting with silence. Yeah, that's really important. And I have found myself struggling with that a little bit more lately. I don't know why that is. Something to reflect on. Yeah, something I'm probably going to reflect on on my vacation. Because that's going to be Reflection City. I can't mm-hmm. wait to just, you know. That's probably why. <laughs> Maybe. You burnt out. You ready I to go. Self-care is important. Right, it's been a while since I've you know taken a trip, and you have been dealing with stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe that might be it, right there. Mm-hmm. Look, hey, look at us figure stuff out <laughs> on a podcast. Yeah, look hey, at y'all. Ah, yes, y'all. I'm glad y'all here. Here, <laughs> I'm glad y'all here to experience. <laughs> um, but yeah, sitting with sounds can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be difficult just because, just as a therapist, like you, you feel like. Um, you want to make sure that you're doing your job, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes silence can feel like, what, 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 what should I do next? <laughs> but I would also say, sometimes. as a society, we're not used to silence. So it's mm. it's before we were therapists, it was uncomfortable to be silent around other people. Well, uh, well not by yourself around other people. Oh yeah, not for me. Uh, I'm actually. <laughs> well, as a society, that's right, the culture. Right. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. As a society, you're definitely right about that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so you gotta learn to just be like, nope, I'ma wait till they break this. Mm-hmm. Take my time. I'll be drinking my my tea or my I love water. My tea. Be writing down be my notes. Down. You know, cause we gonna sit here. <laughs> sometimes when you talk, you mess up a reflection. You know mm-hmm. I mean? That's going on inside. And them. they really need to reflect on that point. It mm-hmm. can't just jump and bounce to the next one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Self-growth. So we talked a little bit about how much we grew in grad school, but my school recommended that I go to therapy. Was yours recommended or required? Uh, it recommended that I went. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had a, a I colleague to, in my practicum it was required at her school I for them to, to therapy, go to therapy. Um, all throughout the end of my uh, time there. Mm-hmm. And that was good because that was right when the breakup was going on. And oh yeah, like I did too. Yeah, from like February to like June, I went to therapy. Yep, mm-hmm. same here. Yeah, of of my last year, which was wonderful because I was losing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. A lot. Um, and I will say, and I said this on the the other episode of the therapy series that. 
If your therapist is not doing their own self-growth and self-work, then you need to find a new therapist because we are unable, if we can't see through our own blind spots, we can't help you. And it keeps us from growing. Like this is growth, you know? And like, if they've never been, that's an issue. If they've gone and just, you know, they figured stuff out, then that's okay. But like, if they've just never gone to work on any of their past shit, that's a problem because because then you could be triggered in session so yeah. yeah work on yourself um oh so i forgot to say this to address the blank slate myth or stereotype that they have a therapy i actually see a lot of myself in my clients i pick something it's unconscious but like i pick something out of my clients that i relate to Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that way I can connect with oh, them better. Energy. Yeah. Um, but also like I have a lot of artistic clients. I have a lot of nonconformist clients. Mm. I have a lot of clients who are like That's anti-corporation. So, and I'm like, That's is it just the Bay area or <laughs> they just picking me? That. That, that's true. Yeah. True. And, and into ancestry and stuff. Yeah. So I don't know, but I connect with the majority of my clients. So, um, and then also I learn from my clients. I learn so much from my clients and right, and they don't true. even know, yeah. you know, but I learned so much from them for my own personal to use with other clients to change my perspective. And it's just because you're okay. Now we need to say the thing that you wrote is because you're learning different perspectives. So, Oh, I wrote something. You wrote something. See, I be saying stuff and saying and doing stuff and I don't even know. Okay. So O said this and it's on our Instagram account for It's So Real. He said, I'm blessed to be in a profession where I literally get to hear the inner workings of people's minds. All right. Let me see. Because of this, my emotional intelligence is always being challenged and my perspective is always widening. It's made me such a better person. Through healing... We are healed. Bars. <laughs> I'm writing a book, y'all. It's coming. Yeah, as soon as I write it. <laughs> well, I mean, I need some help. I know. It's just going to be a while, y'all. I'm going to get my book out first. Hey, check it out. Check it out. <laughs> but I'll let you know when it's out. Believe me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so. <sighs> I think that is it for yeah, today. We did a long episode. Yeah. This is good because yeah. I ain't going to be here. I know. So um, enjoy, people. So, yeah. So, <laughs> hopefully, we can do one more episode. We'll see if we can re- record tomorrow night. But, oh, got to get ready to go. So, we will see. I'm hoping so because I do want to talk about the benefits of therapy. Um, But stay tuned for next time. So, we will go back to live videos when O comes back from vacation. And then we will be doing our healthy relationship series. I'm going to come back two shades darker. Know that. <laughs> All right. So are we ready to end it? Yeah, I think that's a wrap. All right. Thank so, you for joining us, people. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to It's So Real with your girl, Rocky. And your boy, O. You have a beautiful day. Take care of you. All right. We out. Peace. <laughs>